This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is May 2nd, 2021. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. Hi, uh, my name is Tony Sibilla, and I was at Hofstra Radio from 1985 to uh, the end of uh, 1987. And uh, I mean, as a student and then hung around a little bit until I started working professionally uh, with WABC Radio. So it's uh, been a while. Uh, what shows or programs did you work on uh, while you're at Hofstra Radio? Well, you, you know, most of my work was within the, the sports department, calling play by play and color announcing for football and basketball. Uh, but I also, you know, hosted a bunch of different shows, but mostly I, I would say just jazz, which was our, uh, our uh, jazz show at the time, mostly what you would call now smooth jazz. And, um, and I started a country show called Country Roads, which was, you know, sort of stemmed from doing a temporary show about country. And then I started playing a lot of the 80s country at the time. And I got into a bunch of different artists uh, that um, that really got me interested in where country music was going. So, um, you know, I started that show uh, probably about uh, 80, uh, 87, late 87, and um, had some fun with that. So did you work on, I, I know you did a lot of sports broadcasting and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, but did you work on any of the, the public affairs shows or any of the weekend programs? I, uh, you know, actually that you mentioned it now, I, I worked with, uh, John Mann about with, with a show called learning about the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, he hosted it and I would, uh, I would engineer it and produce it. Um, had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, amazingly enough talking about the law, but John made it so interesting that it was, uh, you know, just a, a lot of fun to, to sit and learn from him and talk to him. And he was incredibly gracious uh, with that. So, um, you know, there was uh, there were a few other shows that were uh, that were non-student related that were that were done uh, that I got a chance to sit in with and uh, and learn from some of these folks outside of the station. But, uh, you know, I, I remember working with John uh, on the law show and uh, you know, that was, that was a lot of fun and, and certainly uh, a bit of a, a maturity time for me where you get to talk to some adults who are out there and, and you learn some things as a student from them. Mm-hmm. Did you have any titles or management positions at the station? I, uh, started out as a continuity director. First thing I had, and, uh, and then I went, uh, pretty much, uh, in the next uh, semester at the end of 86, uh, was made program director did that for a, for a year. And then last semester that I was at RHU, I was a production director uh, working on promos and commercials and stuff like that. Uh, promotional stuff that we always played on the air. So I got a chance to do a couple of different things. It was, uh, it was interesting to see a few different sides of, of uh, types of jobs that you find out in the radio world. Absolutely. Um, when you were on air, did you use your given name? Did you have any on air names or nicknames? Uh, I use Tony Sibilla. Uh, you know, funny, uh, up until college, uh, it wasn't Tony. Uh, my my uh, given name is Anthony. And, uh, you know, the, the only thing I thought that changed was my first name because, you know, it, it was easier to say Tony Sibilla. And it was a bit of an homage to, to my dad, who was Tony Sibilla, who, um, who you know, was uh, very well known and, and well liked uh, out in Long Island where I was. And, um, and he had passed away in 79. So I was there in, in college and I felt like, you know, was the right time to start using that name. And it just seemed to work, uh, for me and, and for others. And 
since really being on on the air on WRHU is where I started being called Tony on a regular basis. Hmm. That's that's so interesting. Coming to the station a few years after you and knowing your name and, and hearing about you, it was always sort of your name was was one word. It was Tony Sibilla. <laughs> yeah, it, I, that's kind of how you say it. I, I pretty much, yeah, that is how everyone kind of says it. But it, it just made sense to me, uh, you know, in an audio sense, that's it's Tony and Sibilla, but it was always together as, as one name. So it's interesting that uh, that it changed when you got to the station. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, you know, you think about those things when you're when you're a young kid and you're getting into radio. It's like, what should I call myself? And I, I never really felt like I needed to do anything really out in the you know out in the uh, stratosphere there. And I thought maybe for a short time, I thought, well, instead of Sibylla, why don't I make it Bell, like B E L L? But it just mm-hmm. never felt right, so I, I never used it on air. I just it played with it a bit in my head, and and I and I never really wanted to get away from you know what my real name was, so. Uh, Tony Sibyl is fine by me. Sounds good to me. So, um, what, this is a two part question, answer it however you want, but what was it that first brought you down to Hofstra radio? And then if you could describe for the people who weren't there, who were listening, uh, where was the station? What was it like? Do you remember the office or the studio when you first got there? And do you remember maybe some of the people that you met as you got acclimated there? Um, you know, I went to Hofstra after after doing a couple of years in in junior college. I uh, I decided at that time to try and get into broadcasting, and uh, so I went to Hofstra. Uh, obviously, they had a um, even back certainly in the eighties um, had a very good reputation as a school for radio broadcasting, and and I got in and I started you know taking courses right away. But I was it's funny I was a little shy about going down to the radio station, but you know, in a couple of those initial courses that I took about about radio and, and radio history, uh, I met uh, Mike D'Antonio in, in a few of those classes, and um, uh, he said, "Look, you, you know, just come on down. It's there are a lot of great people there. Get involved. If you're going to get into radio, come down to the station. Get involved. Don't wait any longer." And finally, you know, I, I had the courage to get to get to the station and visit. And it's so funny, you know, as soon as I showed up, you know. Uh, it, you know how it is with, with radio people. There's a lot of big personalities and uh, a lot of folks who are on the air and, and you, you almost uh, don't attract very quiet people <laughs> to a college <laughs> radio station. So, you know, I walk in there, there's a lot of people talking. It's uh, it's very energetic. It, it's, it was exciting just to walk in without knowing anybody. And, um, and then to see Jeff Krause sitting at his desk you know, very quietly doing, you know, doing work there while everybody else is clamoring. And, and I thought, you know, it's really, there's a lot of really interesting people here. And it was just a a lot of fun. I I believe it was upstairs in Memorial Hall when I first got there. And then a little bit later on, it might've been after my first semester or so, they moved down into the basement of Memorial Hall at the time. And, and that's where, you know, I spent the bulk of my time at WRHU and, it was just a great environment. You, you never wanted to leave the office, even to go to classes, mm-hmm. and uh, and you were always anxious to come back and and hang out and talk to other radio people and see what was see who was on the air and what was going on and if anyone needed any help. And you know, it was it was really the first time when I I did something 
you know, outside of, you know, where I grew up on Long Island and, and I felt at home and I felt like I belong there. And, you know, once you, once you start feeling like you belong to a place like WRHU, you get so involved in it and and you enjoy it so much that you, you, it just really becomes part of your life. And for several years, WRHU and, and the staff down there were really part of my life. So much so that they would come to my house and watch, you know, watch games. And, uh, and uh, I, I had several of my uh, sports guy brethren uh, spend the holidays with me because they, they live far away and were staying on campus for the holiday. But, you know, I didn't want to, didn't want to see them sit there all Christmas. So I'd have them over and, and uh, you know, a lot of those guys really, and, and girls really became uh, a part of my family and um, just some great memories uh, that started out that first day showing up at the radio station. And, I got to thank Mike D'Antonio for helping me uh, find the courage to get out there and do it. Hmm. That's great. That's really generous of you. And, and I'm sure it, it uh, uh, definitely strengthened those bonds uh, working with us folks uh, on, on the, uh, the sports broadcast. Uh, I want to jump back though for a second. Um, Cause this was relatively new knowledge to me that there was the upstairs office in Memorial hall. I only knew the basement office. Yeah. And from what I've heard that upstairs office was, uh, not great. <laughs> Could you elaborate <laughs> on that? I wasn't there. I wasn't there too long, but I, 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 you know, I think I, it was bigger than a downstairs office, but I think it had, I, I think it had some plumbing issues if I'm not mistaken. Although we had our fair share down in, in the basement as well, but yeah, uh, I, I think they had, they may have had some electrical and plumbing issues there. Um, you know, I think because it was upstairs, you know, there wasn't any air conditioning as far as I remember in a lot of these places. So, you know, it was, you know, you're up there with a lot of windows. I, I, I remember. So uh, I, I, I don't think it was the best, uh, the best atmosphere necessarily. Uh, uh, but yeah, there wasn't, there's not a lot that I remember about being upstairs. It, you know, like I said, I did the bulk of my work when we finally moved to the basement of Memorial. And I, I think things were, Things were definitely better there for for a while. Okay, um, so my next question usually is about uh, engineering and announcing classes and getting training. But I, again, I want to double back to something you said before. It sounds like you took some communications classes, the four credit classes within the School of Communication or the Department of Communications. I'm not sure what it was at the time. Um, was that the case that you took credit classes and then you came to the station? Yeah. Well, I. I I started there in the fall of 1985 and I started with the classes and knew about the radio station, but for whatever reason, and and I I honestly couldn't tell you why I I didn't go down to the radio station right away. Um, I think I, I think I felt like I needed to get involved in the classes first. And I think, you know, I kind of think my plan was to eventually talk to Jeff Krause and, and, and talk to him about getting involved in the station and, you know, cause I really didn't know how to do that at the time. Hmm. And then, you know, after talking to Mike and, you know, there were other people like, uh, Joanne, Sarah Mella and, uh, Kate Kulig who were in my classes with me as well, you know, got to know them a bit. They started to talk about the radio station along with Mike. And, you know, I, I started to realize, you know, you just have to get involved. And so, uh, I, I, it just took me a little bit of time to, I guess, have the courage to do it because even though I wanted to get into broadcasting, I, I still was a bit shy and, uh, it, it, 
it took me a little bit of uh, coaxing from Mike to get there. And so I, I, I just think it was uh, not really knowing how I was going to get involved, but in just eventually finding my way down there. And I get the feeling a lot of kids did. We tried to promote it when I was there later on. We tried to have open houses and really promote it out there and, and get a lot of students to, to, to see us. We, we did some live broadcasting uh, uh, out in the courtyard right by Memorial Hall and mm-hmm. uh, tried to get students to see who we were. And, and I think that helped in, later, helped in later years. But, you know, when I started out, there just wasn't uh, – at least I didn't see a lot of promotion of the radio station at the time to get new students in. So um, you just kind of had to find your way down there, and luckily I did. So, so once you get down to the station, once you've, you've gotten in there, uh, you take the engineering class, the announcing classes. Do you remember anything from that or maybe who taught them? I remember uh, Jeff Raspi, who we, we call Butch, uh, what, taught me engineering. Uh, I worked in his class. And, and, and Jeff's just one of the nicest guys in the world. He is mm. uh, and still is. I still talk to him from time to time um, and, and very patient, which was exactly what I needed. Somebody who was patient with me, who, uh, you know, I didn't know much about equipment. It, it wasn't my thing at the time. So, you know, I had to learn how, you know, and this is how old we are. I had to learn how reel-to-reel machines work, how to edit in a reel-to-reel machine, uh, how these um, 1956 Gates mixing boards work. You know, the, the, these boards were at least 30 years old by the time we got to them. So it was... Uh, it was a lot of older equipment and, and technology that really was still the technology of the day. You know, when I started working at WABC, I was still editing audio tape. Uh, so you had to learn all that back then. Um, and Jeff was incredibly uh, uh, patient with us and easygoing and, is, you know, no problem. Let's try it again. See, you know, see what you uh, figured, what you learned from it. And, um, you know, I, Jeff uh, definitely made it easy for me to learn the technical side of it um, from the announcing side. I, I you know, I, I don't remember much about announcing classes. Um, I, I don't even, I, I think maybe it might've been Kristen Goff who might've uh, been teaching me at the time. And she, again, another sweetheart, a uh, beautiful voice and, you know, again, very patient with people. So I got very lucky to work with people who showed a lot of patience were, were very good at what they did and didn't have an ego about it. And, and in a radio station where it's very easy to wind up running into people who have big egos, I was pretty fortunate to run into a lot of people who were not that way at all. You know, uh, Jeff and Kristen, Rick Walzewski, who had a fantastic voice and um, and was incredibly nice. Uh, Dave Bolander, who, you know, another low-key guy who just welcomed everybody in. Jim Vazios was the same way. Barbara Lyons. So, you know, a lot of really good people who knew what the station needed, knew that we needed to do it all together, and and knew that if we were going to keep some new people around, that we've got to teach them and we've got to be patient with them. And I, I was very lucky to have that. So you, you go through the uh, training programs, get clear. Do you remember your first time on the air or getting behind the board and engineering a program? Well, you wound up working with somebody else for a little bit until you were cleared to what we called, uh, well, you were cleared to engineer would be one thing and then cleared to announce. And then if you were cleared to to be an engineer and an announcer, it was you were combo cleared. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, clearing to engineer, that didn't take incredibly long. And then announcing wasn't too much longer. 
Uh, but to be able to do your own show on your own, that was, that's what you, what you aimed for. And by the time I got myself cleared for that, it was, uh, oddly enough, the first show I ever did on my own was Christmas Eve on 1985 mm. when, when I was by myself down there at 10 o'clock at night. I was on from 10 to 2, which we went off the air at 2 o'clock at the time, and I was just playing Christmas music the first time by myself down there on Christmas Eve, which, you know, Christmas Eve was always a big time for my family. So I had dinner, but I went to the station and did the show. And, um, you know, I, I thought I was doing a pretty good job, but I, I guess I must have sounded pretty nervous because I, I get a phone call from Jeff Krause, uh, the uh, general manager, and, uh, and you know, Je- everybody has a lot of Jeff stories. But, you know, I, I uh, get a call from Jeff and he's he's telling me, you know, you're doing pretty good. Do you need anything from me? Do you, you sound a little tired. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he said, do you want me to bring you down some coffee or? I said, no, no, Jeff, thanks. I, I really appreciate that. I, you know, but I'm, I think I'm good. And, um, you know, it's funny. I've gone back and listened to those tapes and it does sound, uh, I do sound a little scared and a little, a little tired, but, uh, you know, that was a, that was a really a pivotal moment in my, in my time at WRHU doing that first show and getting that call from Jeff, because up to that point, you know, Jeff, Jeff seemed like a very stoic, uh, fairly serious most of the time kind of guy. And, and, you know, I think most people were a little afraid of him and, and I know I was too. Like I, I don't, don't know what I should and shouldn't say, but after I got that call from Jeff, it, it was that moment where I realized, you know what? He's a human being just like me and he cares about the students. And, you know, it, it, it was, you know, it was really that moment where I really began to feel comfortable with being at WRHU, with being on the air, with doing things in the world of radio. And, you know, I, I don't know if I ever really told Jeff how, uh, you know, how much that influenced me and how important that was to me. You know, I, I hope he understood that he probably did, but, uh, you know, just a, a very pivotal moment. You know, I go back and, I, and I've said this about multiple people in my career, you know, like, like I said, I lost my dad in 79 and it was, it was people like Jeff Krause who wound up being sort of semi father figures to me as time went on. And if you think about it, you know, it's about six years after losing my dad and, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting this, this attention and this, you know, good advice from, from, uh, you know, from Jeff, who was, you know, somebody that I had already started looking up to, but then really after that night said, you know what, he really cares about, me he cares about the students and you know he's trying to help us you know be better students be better broadcasters and you know you find out later on he's trying to help us be better people and uh you know jeff was one of those uh, pivotal people in my life that really uh, have have influenced me over time the more stories i hear uh about people having experiences like this with Jeff, he had that facade of being very serious, and you certainly did not want to cross him. Yeah. But at the same time, he somehow read all these young people and saw this is what they brought, this is what they needed, and found the right way to communicate that to so many people. It's so interesting and so impressive. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, I think everybody has some kind of story 
in that respect. Um, and, and most of them are going to end up with, and I always had a ton of respect for him. I, I think everybody felt that way about him. And, um, you know, uh, you know, his passing quite a few years ago now, uh, you know, hit a lot of us pretty hard. And, you know, when you have a mentor like that, who, you know, you just finish up uh, college, you really, for me, I, I guess it had been four or five years previous. And, um, you know, to, to hear of his passing was, uh, you know, you, you just realize that this is part of life and it's incredibly sad, but it's somebody who was a, um, an influencer in your life. And, um, you know, I'll, um, I'll never forget, you know, as time went on a couple of, you know, a couple of years down the road, you, Stu Rushfield, who was one of the sports guys with me would come to the radio station and, and do the uh, Christmas Eve show with me and, and Steve mm-hmm. Goldman as well. And, you know, before we did the show, we would stop by Jeff's house and, and, uh, you know, I could say this now, right. But, you know, have, have a drink or two before going on the air <laughs> and, and, um, and just talk about, you know, how the year went and, you know, what's, what's going on with the radio station. How's everyone doing? And, we'd have these nice little chats with Jeff and, and then go do the show. And, and, you know, those are memories I will always have that, that mean a ton to me. And I'm, I'm sure Stu and Steve would, would say the same thing, just uh, getting to know Jeff as a person uh, over time, uh, when he let you in, um, what, you know, was, was just tremendous. And, you know, it's uh, some really good mentors, not just Jeff, but you know, a lot of the folks that I mentioned were all great mentors to me along the way. Hmm. That's 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 a, a great set of stories there. Thank you, Tony. Um, do you remember? I I, I don't want to let this go either. Um, do you remember your first time doing a sports broadcast? Do you remember the first time going out and calling a game or or running the board for a game? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, it's funny. I I don't know the very. I don't remember the very first time. I got. I'm. I gotta believe I probably went out with Stu Rushfield um, to do a game. I think more than likely that was probably the case. Uh, when I got there, it was Andy Hershon was the uh, sports director and Glenn Koch, Ben Buckwall, Pete Caldera were really the main guys who were calling games and Stu as well. And and I got in there, started to do, uh, you know, color announcing for, for some of those guys for basketball uh, and, and uh, football in, in, uh, in 86. But hey, I, I was down at the station a lot in late 85 and and in the first few months of 86 with basketball season i was at the station engineering um maybe doing updates uh from the from the uh, studio of uh, scores so i did a lot of that in the first uh, semester or two that that i was there and got to know a lot of a lot of the other guys who were getting involved as well but i i got to believe it got to believe it was probably Stu and i going out to do a game i i couldn't tell you he might have a better memory of it than i do but i can't tell you exactly what the game was but just getting out there in the press box calling a game you know microphone in front of you it was you know that's when you say wow this is what i really would love to do the rest of my life and mm-hmm. uh you know it's uh, I, i'm sure everybody who's done college radio has some story about that, about how they felt the first time they got behind the mic uh, doing anything. But for sports casting, it's what I had always dreamed of. And, um, you know, to finally get to do it on a radio station was was very significant to me. And, you know, WRHU did that for me. Hmm. Uh, you, you've mentioned so many names of people who were 
were helpful. And usually at this point, I ask you who are the people that were were helpful or or were inspirational to you as you were getting started there, uh, from from Stu Rushfield and and Jeff Krause and and so many other other names. Were there other people that that stood out and made you feel welcome and comfortable at the station? Well, you know, I, th- I think I you know I mentioned uh, I, I mentioned a couple of other people early on, uh, Joanne Sierra Mella or Joanne C as uh, her her on air name was was an, a very good friend of mine, incredibly helpful. Um, Kate Kulig as well, uh, you know, great voice, uh, really did a great jazz show. And and just, again, I had a, had a lot of fun uh, hanging out with them at the station and, and after the station as well. Um, and then later on, you know, towards the end of my time there and, and even after I'd graduated, still doing a little bit of work there, I got to meet a whole different group of people like yourself, uh, mm-hmm. like Renee DePew, like Eileen DeCalis and uh, Andrew Schmertz and Doug Oaken. And, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, there's a lot. And Ethan Dreilinger and, and Rye Williams, you know, a whole different group of people who were coming in just as I was leaving. But I still got got to know them. Uh, you know, Mark Ernay, uh, very well known in the WRHU world. Uh, another one of those people that I got to know uh, uh, at the tail end of my time there, but then carried over into the late eighties as well. So, you know, there's just so many people that I got to know that were influential, that were very helpful, that were good friends and, and that would do whatever I needed uh, to, to, to uh, from them to, to be able to do a show and, and to have fun doing it. God, there were so, I mean, there are so many names and then you're talking about non-students, you know, Tony Jackson with, with his Irish country show, which sure. is, you know, Tony and Marie, just, just tremendous people, you know, just so supportive of the students and of the community. And you, you know, the, people like that, uh, Basha, uh, you know, uh, sweet Olson. That's an older name that maybe a lot of people don't remember, but, um, you know, with a polka show, uh, just so many uh, great people, uh, students and non-students that we were lucky to be part of and do shows with. Uh, Les Bear. I mean, I could just I can go on and on about names uh, of people that uh, really influenced me and just bring back great memories. And you know, it that's that's what the radio station was about. It really brought a lot of different people together. You got to meet different personalities and different knowledge bases and different beliefs. And it helps you grow as a person. And, you know, college does that, but the radio station helped accelerate that for me a little more. And, you know, it's it, it taught me an awful lot. And just in a couple of years I was there, I learned an awful lot about people, about life. And, you know, besides radio, it, it was just a, a tremendous learning experience that, you know, besides my classes was probably more valuable than any class I took there. And, the you know, Hofstra and WRHU, you know, brought that all to me. And I, you know, I can't ever thank them enough for it. Amen. Uh, can't say it better than that, uh, at least from my perspective. Um, you, you've talked so much about the, what uh, it was like in the early days for you and all these names, all these people that you got to work with even after your your student days. But we, we have the benefit of, of hindsight. What I'd like you to do now, if it's possible, is to, is to put yourself back in your shoes when you've got someone like Mike D'Antonio saying, come on down to the station and you walk in there or you're on your way, or you're thinking about going. And what is it at 
that age that you thought Hofstra Radio would be for you? Well, you know, like I said, uh, I mean, just to give you a little background, in, in junior college, I uh, took an, taken a communications class, and um, it was a project about, you know, uh, step one of the project, our professor told us was, go and think about what you'd want to be. If you could be anything in, in the world, what would your career be if you had no limitations? So, you know, the thing I thought of was a, a sportscaster. So the next day, you know, we, we all told them what we wanted. And the next day he said, okay, go out and interview two or three people in that field and find out, you know, what it took for them to succeed. What, what did they learn from, you know, from making the attempt to try and, and, and do that profession? And, you know, what, what did they do that, that was successful for them? I mean, I, then I realized I'd been bitten off a lot more than I could chew. Now I have to go find sportscasters that I, that I, you know, know of. And, and I really didn't know of anybody locally in radio. I, I knew TV broadcasters. I knew uh, channel 11, Jerry Gerard back in the seventies sure. and the eighties. And um, you know, uh, uh, there was a couple of other guys that uh, Don Gould, I believe was at NBC. I spoke to as well. And I spoke, you know, I couldn't believe I, uh, you know, I got them on, on, on the phone and I, and I spoke to them and I, uh, you know, Jerry Gerard couldn't have been kinder and friendlier to me. And he was a, he was a sportscaster that I always looked up to and I got to talk to him about it and it really motivated me to want to get into radio. And so from there is when I decided, you know, I've got, I've got to find a school that that does it you know I, and i'm it's got to be local because i really can't afford to go live all, on campus anywhere so you know hofter was about a 20 mile a 20 minute drive from where i lived in, out on eastern long island and um you know it, it was it was the that motivated me to get involved and to take classes i didn't know what i was in for as far as what radio was and what the atmosphere would be at a radio station you know, you kind of think of, well, it might be like any other office that you would go into, which, again, you and, and anyone else who's worked in radio knows that is not at all <laughs> what a radio station is like. <laughs> so I, um, you know, I got down, like I said, got down to that station and realized, you know, this is this is a lot about having confidence and about believing in who you are and what you're doing. And at that point in my life, I don't I don't really feel like I um had an awful lot of confidence that I could do this and um, what, you know, really wasn't sure what kind of dedication I was going to need to be able to try and get into this field and, and, and do anything within it, within communications. And so, you know, the radio station taught me right from day one, you have to really put in a good amount of work and you've got to believe that you can do this. Um, and, and uh, you know, that belief comes from preparation and preparing even to do a music show, to, to, fit, to go in there a half hour or so before your, your, your time on air and pick out your records and figure out what your playlist is going to be. When you're doing a sporting event, it's getting all the stats for both teams and learning information about, you know, how the teams have been playing, learning names and numbers and memorizing them before you go call a game. It was about really being prepared to do the job that you're being asked to do. And that's, you know, that's the first time I really learned that lesson 
um, about about being employed full time, even though you know the college radio wasn't that. But it was about if you're going to do a job and do it right, you've got to put the time and effort into it. And um, you know, I learned that at WREU. I learned that from Jeff Krause and again from all the great people that I've mentioned about how to prepare to do. Uh, a music show, uh, 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 to call a game, uh, to do a talk show. You know, we did talk shows as well. Uh, some of the pregame stuff we did was sitting sitting down with the head coach uh, uh, for football or basketball and and knowing what we were talking about. So it was being prepared to um, to have discussions and and to impart your wisdom to the audience. And you know, um, it, it you don't realize all that goes into doing good radio until you start doing it and realize, Oh yeah, you know, th- there's a lot of work I have to do and I have to think of everything. And in, in a way that's helped me in everything else I've done in my career in, in being prepared in not just thinking I'm going to walk in and figure it all out. And no one's going to know that, uh, that I didn't know what I was doing two seconds ago. It doesn't work that way. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, WRHU, the second I walked in there, started to teach me immediately. You've got to believe in yourself, and that belief has to come from hard work. And it was a great lesson to learn. Tony, thank you so much for sharing your stories. Uh, this was this was really fantastic. Um, I enjoyed this a lot, and I'm going to come up with more questions. And hopefully you've got some more stories to share. We can do this another time. Oh yeah, definitely a bunch of different things we could talk about. A lot of fun that we had over the years. And uh, uh, Brian, great to talk to you again. It's been too long, my friend. Huh? I'm looking forward to the next uh, next installment.